For over 50 years, people have relied on Village Green Apothecary to give them individualized nutrition, pharmacy, and healthy living products. Village Green provides you with a kind of personalized help and attention that mass market pharmacies have long ago forgotten. You can depend on us for knowledge, experience, product selection, customer service, and a smile. Visit Village Green in Bethesda at 5415 West Cedar Lane or call us at 301-530-0800 or go to our website at myvillagegreen.com. We're here to help you. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Essentials of Healthy Living here on AM 1500, brought to you by the Village Green Apothecary. I'm your host for today, Dr. Kevin Facero. We're here every Sunday from 10 to 11 a.m., so set your dials and tune in. You can also listen to all of our previously recorded shows by going to the Essentials of Healthy Living Archive, which is located on the Village Green website at www.myvillagegreen.com on the right-hand side of the homepage. You'll see a microphone icon. If you click on that icon, it'll take you to that archive show section where you can download and listen to any of our previously recorded shows for absolutely free. Today, I've got one of my favorite special guests lined up, Dr. Joseph Lamb, and we're going to be discussing genetic testing. There's a lot of really great things we've learned about the ge- the genome, uh, particularly since the Human Genome Product Project that was completed, I believe, in the in the 90s or early 2000s. And some of these genetic testing are becoming more and more available. And we know that the future of medicine really is going to be personalized medicine, and we're already starting to see the advent of a lot of personalized medicine when it comes to the implementation of genetic testing. So these genetic tests can help us understand how our body processes certain drugs, and now it's pretty standard medical practice in some narrow instances to use genetic testing to determine whether or not a drug might be useful. We're certainly starting to see that come about in oncology and cancer care, where we're able to look at genetic samples of certain types of tumors and determine what their response might be to specific chemotherapies. So it really is helping us to specify treatments. And the more we learn about genes and genomic testing, the more we're going to be able to pinpoint therapies to people and their actual genetic code, which will significantly improve outcomes and help avoid the use of drugs that won't necessarily work because certain types of genetic expressions don't really get much of a therapeutic benefit from certain drugs, whereas others might. And, you know, as we discussed, as time moves on and these genetic tests become more affordable, many of them are uh, genetic tests that you can get done through even your most standard laboratories, the, the big national labs like LabCorp or Quest Diagnostics, and insurance will often pay for them. And they can be a great resource uh, for a clinician to help understand how to guide your care. So that's what Dr. Lamb's going to be talking with us today. I just want to make a quick mention, Dr. Richard Murr, he's a naturopathic doctor. He's going to be doing a book signing and Q&A event at the Village Green on Saturday, November 8th from 3 to 5 p.m. His book is Crack Your Metabolic Code with a Few Simple Blood Tests, and this is a book that's going to help you make decisions, daily decisions that will improve your life to help you figure out how to change your diet, take a supplement regime, and get going with some exercise. And what the book helps you understand is that through some simple blood tests, you can actually start to understand your metabolic code and customize your diet, your fitness, your nutritional habits in order to match that uh, metabolic code to help you achieve weight loss and optimal health. So again, he'll be signing his book on Saturday, November 8th from 3 to 5 p.m. at the Village Green located right here in Bethesda, Maryland. 
So Dr. Joseph Lamb is a clinical consultant in integrative and functional medicine, having completed his graduate education at the Medical College of Virginia in Richmond, Virginia, and his internal medicine residency at Presbyterian University of Pennsylvania Medical Center in Philadelphia. He is board certified in both internal medicine and holistic medicine. Additionally, he completed one year of a cardiology fellowship at the University of Colorado Health Sciences Center. In 2013, he achieved certification as an Institute for Functional Medicine certified practitioner. He is the past director of intramural clinical research at the Functional Medicine Research Center for Metagenics, Inc. in Gig Harbor, Washington. Past clinical experiences include nearly 17 years of private practice in Alexandria, Virginia. He's an adjunct faculty member of the Institute for Functional Medicine in Gig Harbor, Washington, and lectured internationally in continuing medical education settings <clears throat> around the world. He has edited several books, authored chapters, and authored and co-authored academic papers and website presentations on a variety of functional medicine topics. He is the president of the Commonwealth Consultants Foundation, a regionally recognized Middle Atlantic charity charter to provide unique educational and social experiences and opportunities for economically deserving children and young adults. And Dr. Lamb is excited to announce that he will soon be joining Dr. Mark Houston in private practice in Nashville, Tennessee at the Hypertension Institute of Nashville. So, Dr. Lamb, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. Thank you very much, Dr. Sarah. It's great to be here. Sure. So, um, you know, I've sort of set the stage a little bit at the beginning of the show with some ideas about genetic testing and what's coming, you know, down the pike as far as what people have access to. But why don't you give us your background about the just the, the concept of genetic testing? Is this something that should only be reserved for people that, let's say, have very complex conditions? Or are we starting to see the benefit of affordable genetic testing for people in the general population? Well, I think we're absolutely beginning to see the benefit of um, genetic testing at, at an affordable level for people. And I think, you know, one of the things that is the big challenge at the moment, if you go back a decade as they were finishing the Human Genome Project in the early 2000s, the biggest hurdle to getting genetic information for an individual was the amount of time that it would take the uh, DNA analyzers that it would take to do an individual genome. Um, in, w w an incredible investment of time in lab technology. And now the big challenge that's facing us is the computer technology for putting together all the information. You know, it, there are companies that can do your entire individual genetic testing, you know, looking not at all the genes that are necessarily the regulatory genes, but the genes that code for specific proteins. That sort of testing can be done very, very um, economically now, and there have been a number of companies that that have done that. Um, recently, the FDA has cracked down a little bit on some of the companies that do the broader testing because they feel that they're um, maybe over-promising in terms of its um, information that can be used on therapeutics. But the day is coming that not just for specific uh, disease states like cancer or for certain cardiovascular conditions, Days coming when we'll walk into our doctor's office, and one of the factors that our uh, physicians are going to take into account, the practitioner who sees us, is our genetic information. Um, because the important piece, and, and this is the piece that we should really like help people walk away with, is um, th they are not necessarily their future and their health is not 
wholly determined by their genes and any extent of the imagination. It's by the interaction between their genes and the environment. So the information that we're going to get, more importantly than teaching us how to treat diseases, the information that we're going to get is going to tell us what sort of environment is best suited to make our genes um, uh, produce the kind of outcome we want. And when I say environment, it uh, I mean lifestyle, I mean diet, I mean exercise, I mean our, you know, kind of mind-body-spirit practices, you know, different ones, different diets, different uh, food plants, and they benefit different people in different ways, and we're going to be able to know um, down the road what works best for us, or we, someone who is best benefited by a high-intensity exercise program or a low-intensity program in terms of meeting our health goals. So can you explain a little bit, I mean, you know, many of us are still stuck in the paradigm that, you know, your Mendelian genetics, your genes are what you're dealt, you inherit them from your family, from your parents, or, you know, other people, members of your family. If you get this certain genes, you know, you have blue eyes, and no matter what you do, you're always going to have blue eyes. You can't change them to brown. You can't change them to green. And I think there's a large sense that with health conditions, it's very similar. And you hear about examples of genes and genetic testing, for example, the BRCA1 gene uh, associated with breast cancer, where if somebody has that gene, we know that they have a much higher risk potentially for breast cancer or ovarian cancer. So we still, in many ways, are in a scientific model that directly ties your genetics to your health outcomes. Uh, Dr. Lamb, can you help us understand based on studies that have been done, for example, in twin studies and, and other you know, information in scientific literature that's helping to put perspective on this idea that the environment, and that doesn't just, you know, that includes nutrition, it includes psychological stress, it includes exposure to toxins, you know, everything related to your environment, how that may impact your genetic expression and actually how much of a how much potential does environment actually have over health expression well you're absolutely right and um you know our whole understanding has changed with the human genome project because coming out of that project while there've been no kind of um, none of the blockbusters that were expected cuz going into that project you know the belief was that um there was genetic determinism that, you know, that there were probably several hundred thousand genes that coded for proteins, different proteins involved in the human body, and that these genes, pretty much, if you had them, they either worked in a very much digital fashion, kind of good, bad, on, off kind of thing. And if you had it, that's what you were stuck with. And the belief was that all the variation that you saw in a human being, as opposed to, um, a fruit fly or a carrot or some other living organism came from having lots of different genes. And one of the big surprises that came out of the Human Genome Project is that we really don't have that many unique genes that code for specific proteins. So um, then um, a fruit fly or a carrot does, for example. We're all in the neighborhood of like twenty-five to 35,000 genes. Where... Um, the complexity that makes humans different, you know, 
you know, we like look at a group of people in the room. I'm sure we've all had an experience where we've been in a, a room and we've met new people and we're trying to remember their names and we're trying to remember their faces. And, you know, maybe we're not so good with names, but at the end of the day, if we spent the day with them, we can pretty much say, you know, even if it's a group of 20, 30 people, we can all pretty much say that person was sitting at that end of the room for most of the day. And you kind of put people where they are and you do it because they're unique enough that you see all of these changes. And, um, but you couldn't do that with fruit flies. Like if, if I had 25 fruit flies and you asked me where they were sitting in a room, I wouldn't be able to sort them because they look so much alike. And the difference comes about from the variation within our genes, where we used to think that, you know, like a gene was either on off, kind of a digital choice. You had the dominant gene or you have the recessive gene. Now we know that many genes come with many different what we call polymorphisms, poly meaning many and morphisms, meaning kind of like shape. Um, we have genes that may have 10 um, to 15 different varieties of effectiveness. So that gene, if it's coding for an enzyme, for example, it, it's much more analog. It's kind of like on, you know, instead of the on-off switch on your stereo receiver, which turns it on or off, the volume switch is analog. It, it has a whole range of possibilities. Well, our genes have whole ranges of possibilities for how effective the protein is or the enzyme that's been made. And the other big piece that came out of the Human Genome Project was that all the DNA between the individual coding um, genes for protein, all that DNA between it, we used to call it the junk DNA because we just thought that it didn't do anything. It didn't code for a specific protein, so it must not have a function. And now we realize that's where all the regulatory genes are. That's where all the promoters are. That's where all the suppressors are. That's where a lot of the activity is taking place. That's where we respond to our environment. Um, that's where a message like a phytonutrient coming from eating a plant and you eat a chemical and it has information, it goes in and um, turns on certain genes and suppresses other ones. And that's where vitamin D, for example, as a nuclear receptor um, Turn, goes in and turns on certain genes and certain expressions and certain outcomes. So this was a real surprise um, for genetics in the early 2000s because we suddenly realized that there was a degree of complexity that was incredible. And as an outcome of that was suddenly the realization that if there are all of these regulatory pathways and they do respond to the environment that we really are in interaction. So as opposed to the genetics I learned way back in college and in med school, which was the belief that we were, you know, had diseases and they were the consequence of abnormalities and single genes. And if you had that gene, then you had the disease. Now we recognize, for example, that most of the diseases are um, related to many different genes. And it mentioned the BRCA1 um, gene, for example, and yes, it does increase your risk of breast cancer and ovarian cancer. But the interesting thing about the BRCA gene is it only accounts for a small percentage of the risk for breast cancer. So 
if you have the BRCA gene, yes, you're at an increased risk, but you, it's not a, like a digital, like you're going to get breast cancer if you have the BRCA1 gene. You're at an increased risk, but there's lots of other factors. We recognize now, for example, that our diseases are caused, you know, in many of the diseases of aging, you know, we've talked about kind of, um, and inflammatory patterns of aging. We've talked about accelerated aging. You know, when we talk about atherosclerosis, for example, you know, hardening of the arteries, it's not one gene that's going to determine whether or not we make a cholesterol plaque. It's hundreds of genes. And so it's not one target that specifically is going to predispose you. It's a multitude of genes. And Interestingly enough, those genes, and there's studies that prove this now, are directly um, um, modifiable with the diet. Wow. Their expression. Yeah, it's very is modifiable. cool. So, so we need to take a quick break here, but when we come back, obviously, let's start talking about that. Let's start talking about some of the genetic tests that are available to people today, um, the kind of information they can give us, and then what type of things we can do to modify how our genes are expressed. Because I think you've said it on the show before, Joe, that you know health is can be defined as the favorable expression of our genetic code, and a disease can be defined as the unfavorable expression of our genetic code, which is a very powerful statement. So I'll leave you all with that. We're going to be back right after this break, so don't go anywhere. Solgar Number 7 can help you feel the difference. Solgar Number 7 actually shows improvement in joint comfort within seven days. Now you can start to get back on track fast and pursue the activities you love. Solgar Number 7 is a breakthrough in joint care with no glucosamine and no chondroitin. The advanced bioactives in Solgar Number 7 help to increase flexibility, mobility, and range of motion within seven days. One capsule once a day is all you need. When stiff joints occasionally say no, Solgar Number 7 says yes. Solgar Number 7. Available at Village Green Apothecary. New from Garden of Life, Kind Organics Whole Food Multivitamins. They are the only USDA certified organic, non-GMO verified whole food multivitamins available. They're gluten-free, certified vegan, and feature a patent-pending clean tablet technology. Kind Organics is super clean, untreated, unadulterated, and real whole food. Kind Organics Multivitamins from Garden of Life. Be kind to your body and the earth. Kind Organics, now available at Village Green Apothecary and online at myvillagegreen.com. Are you under a lot of stress these days? Pressure from your job, personal life, politics. It can all take a serious toll on your health, but we can help. Village Green Apothecary can help you achieve a healthier lifestyle with our wide range of nutritional supplements, health-related books, and more. We've been providing customized nutrition and healthy living resources for over 50 years, and we'll take the time to advise you about your unique needs. Stop by Village Green Apothecary in Bethesda at 5415 West Cedar Lane or visit our website at myvillagegreen.com. Staying mentally sharp means nourishing the mind as well as the body. That's why there's new Cognisure from Metagenics. Research shows that the active natural ingredient in Cognisure supports multiple mechanisms necessary for maintaining healthy cognition and a healthy brain as it ages. Cognisure is also easy to take in delicious, chewable chocolate tablets. Have a clear and bright future by maintaining mental capacity with healthy habits and Cognisure. Remember Cognisure for healthy brain aging support. Available through your healthcare professional and Village Green Apothecary. 
Do you have unique needs that a mass market pharmacy can't meet? Village Green Apothecary can help. Maybe your doctor prescribed a special compounded formula or you have concerns about allergies or dietary supplements. Our expert team includes pharmacists, nutritionists, clinical herbalists, and naturopaths who can offer you advice on nutritional products and personalized healthy living plans. We also offer specialized lab and micronutrient testing to our customers. Visit Village Green in Bethesda at 5415 West Cedar Lane. Call us at 301-530-0800 or go to our website at myvillagegreen.com. Welcome back, everybody, to the Essentials of Healthy Living here on AM 1500, brought to you by the Village Green Apothecary. I am your host for today, Dr. Kevin Passero. Thank you all for tuning in. Next week, my wonderful co-host Dana Lake will be returning. Remember, you can always listen to our previously recorded shows by going to the Essentials of Healthy Living archive at www.myvillagegreen.com. And on the right-hand side of the homepage, just click on the microphone icon, and it'll take you right to that section. Today, I'm talking with Dr. Joseph Lamb, favorite guest of mine on the show, and we're discussing uh, genetic testing and genomics and really trying to help you understand that uh, your genetics are not your predetermined path for your health, and there are many things that we're learning about how to influence the way our genes are expressed. This comes from things like exercise. It comes from our environment, whether it be social. We know now through a um, a study of a field called nutrigenomics that what we eat and foods that we put in our body will literally change the expression of our genetic code in real time. And so we're learning that these therapies are incredibly powerful at guiding our health and our genetic expression in ways that are either favorable or unfavorable. So we're going to be diving into that, some specific genetic tests that are available, and ways that we can modify our genetic expression in a positive way. Just as a quick reminder, Dr. Richard Murrer is a naturopathic doctor. will be doing a book signing and question and answer event at the Village Green on Saturday, November 8th from 3 to 5 p.m. His book is Crack Your Metabolic Code with a Few Simple Blood Tests. So he's written a book that helps you analyze some of your blood tests, simple ones that are typically done by your doctor, to understand your metabolic code so you can figure out what is going to be the best type of diet for you, the best type of exercise regimen, the best type of supplements to help you maintain and get to an optimal weight and maintain a healthy lifestyle. So Dr. Lamb, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. As always, in the last segment, we were wrapping up some of these more deeper concepts about changing how people think about their genetics and getting out of this idea that's, you know, dominant, recessive, blue eyes, brown eyes, you get this gene, you know, if your father's overweight, uh, you're going to be overweight. If your father had, you know, heart disease, you're going to have it, or your mother had something, you're going to get it. And really starting to understand more about basically the plasticity of the expression of our of our genome. So why don't you finish up that conversation and then we can get into some really practical advice for the listeners out there. Great. So, you know, as we talk about things like plasticity, as we talk about, um, and when we say plasticity, we mean modifiableness, you know, the ability to mold something from one structure into another. That's really the kind of groundbreaking change. An analogy that I like to use is that we've gone from the concept of the DNA is the supercomputer to the cell membrane is kind of the architect of what happens um, in our lives. Back when you know we were all going through school, it was the DNA was a supercomputer. It was turned on at conception. It ran forward, and pretty much the program was going to run, and it was going to express what was written in that software program. Um, that was a consequence of the hardwiring that was in our DNA, and that was going to be our life. You know, 
maybe an outside influence like an infection or an automobile accident or trauma or, you know, natural um, disasters, they would change the outcome. But the computer was pretty much running, and that was going to be the way it is. And now we recognize that it's much more like the cell membranes in architect. If any of us won, like, the lottery tomorrow, for example, and suddenly went out and um, went to an architect and said, I want to build a new house because I won the lottery, the architect would never look at us and say, come back in eight months and I'll give you a house. Instead, the architect would start talking to you about what your needs were and what your desires were and what you liked. And you'd have a conversation, how many bedrooms, how many bathrooms, you know, and then they'd start talking about things like style, like, do you like Victorian or do you like arts and crafts or do you like a federal style house or do you like a colonial house and one level, two level? And as he heard all of your answers, he'd probably take out a book, you know, kind of the uh, book, kind of a wish book of all the houses he had built, kind of his successes. He'd show you pictures. And he'd give you the book to take home. And as he did it, though, he would, like, put highlights on certain pages. Oh, you like arts and crafts, so really look at um, these plans here that are highlighted by the little yellow note. And you said you absolutely don't want, you know, um, Greek revival, so don't open this bookmark here, this little paperclip I put on, because that's when it show you things you don't want to see. Well, it's almost exactly that way for our DNA, because our DNA has all of these little bookmarks put on it, uh, places where we read our DNA and don't read our DNA, depending upon which environment we're in. And the messages that are putting those bookmarks on what are called epigenetic bookmarks, which can be little um, one-carbon groups called methyl groups, or they can be... Um, a, a two-carbon group called an acetyl group that gets put on a different sort of protein um, called the histone, and the methyl groups actually go on the DNA. Um, all these little bookmarks are put there as a consequence of the messages coming from the outside. The, you know, the, the architect listened to us about our desires and bookmarked the book and then let us pick, and then we pick out which plans we want, which houses we want, and then he goes into his library and picks out the various plans to build us a house. In this case, the cell membrane, listening to the environment, looking at the diet that came in, looking at life stresses, looking at, you know, the temperature in the environment, looking at whether there's enough food, goes to the DNA and starts saying, I want to read these genes over here and not these genes because this set of genes is best suited for me dealing with the environment at the moment. So the architect, you know, in the model of the house, does the same thing. He looks at the plans that are the best set of plans to give us the house that we want. So how does this play out practically, Dr. Lamb? I mean, we're looking at how do we influence, are there ways, um, you know, we've talked about basically these bookmarks are placed on different places in the DNA based on the environment in which we're in. So I imagine that, um, you know, we understand from the research that's helped us look at these um, epigenetic bookmarks and are starting to get an idea of what can influence them. So I imagine things like stress, I imagine things like nutrition can affect these epigenetic bookmarks. Can you give us some examples, some practical examples of what can affect an epigenetic bookmark and what we know from the research that's being developed? Oh, absolutely. There's 
two that really stand out. Um, one that stands out, there's some studies that have been done in terms of mothering, actually, in, um, in rodents. And it's the amount of time that, um, yeah, and it, they've also been done in, in small chimps. It's the amount of time spent in actual contact with the mom during early infancy plays a role in the bookmarks that get placed on the stress-related genes, on some of the genes that relate to our production of cortisol and the receptors for cortisol. And little um, chimps, little monkeys that have been raised without enough attention from mom have a whole different response later in life in terms of their stress response. They have a a much greater likelihood of kicking into an overactive stress response and not being able to settle, for example, compared to um, chimps that have been raised and had exposure to their moms and cuddling from their moms and the such like. And so the, the, the outcome here is early life experiences, like what goes on during infancy, the stresses you're related, exposed to, the amount of maternal affection, they actually bookmark genes at that very crucial period of time. You know, right after pregnancy, during early development, they bookmark genes that say, wow, what's the outcome going to be? Um, there's similar studies, for example, that show that, you know, um, one of the classic studies in human beings is looking at the the experience in the Dutch famine winter, um, which came at the end of World War II, basically 1944 going into 45, as the Allies were advancing across Western Europe, and the Nazis were still controlling Germany and the Netherlands, um, as the um, offensive to liberate those countries was kind of stalled out. And as the Nazis counterattacked against the Allies, um, there was a period of time during that winter when the Netherlands were left in a a state of being behind the Nazi lines. And um, more than that, there wasn't enough food. And the Nazis were deliberately taking the food back to Germany to feed the German people. And Children who were in utero, meaning their moms were pregnant and they hadn't yet been born, children who were in utero during their second trimester, um, if during that famine when they were born, they had very low birth weights. But interestingly enough, they gained weight faster than their peers. Um, You know, as the war ended and there was liberation and there was food, children who had been in utero during that crucial period of time when bookmarks are put on genes... They had genes that had been activated that said, we have to grab calories, we have to grab calories, we have to be very thrifty. And they ended up um, gaining weight faster than their older siblings or younger siblings. And not only did they do that, but they went on to develop adult obesity. And they had more cardiovascular disease, they had more diabetes, they had shortened life expectancies, and they maybe even had more schizophrenia. And there are other examples of studies like that as well. Hmm. And, you know, the most vulnerable period for these bookmarks is infancy, early childhood, and um, and kind of pre-adolescence. But there are examples as well of um, bookmarks being put on in adult um, periods of life. Yeah, it's certainly interesting to think about. I mean, we know the importance of 
you know, uh, prenatal health and perinatal health and, and the health of the mom and the health of the baby and taking good care of an infant and proper nutrition and food. And we think about it when it comes to the development of the brain and the development and growth of the body and the muscles and the bones and, you know, the entire architecture of the body. But I think that, you know, we don't always think about it necessarily in the development of the genes. And what it sounds like is a lot of the research is pointing to the fact that a lot of these bookmarks and, and how our genetic code is going to be expressed is influenced heavily in those very, very early, early times of life. So really interesting to think about that as a part of development of a um, growing baby in utero and once a baby's been born and how that might affect them for the rest of their life. And I know that, um, you know, there has been other research that's come out on a whole nother sort of aspect of genetics that's related to the genetics of our microflora in our gut. And certainly there's some evidence to suggest that in studies, uh, children that are given a lot of antibiotics at birth or very early in life, changing the gut microflora might make them more prone to anxiety and stress responses later in life. And it's interesting that, you know, the, all of these things that are happening earlier in life can affect us for the rest of our lives. So um, really cool stuff, Dr. Lamb. When we come back, let's talk about now, let's nail down some of these actual genetic tests that are available out there and how they relate practically to what we can do to modify them in adults, because not all of us can go back and undo what happened to us in childhood. So how do we modify them and how do we support the expression of a healthy genetic code with the information that we have. So this is Dr. Kevin Pacero with the Essentials of Healthy Living, and we're going to be back right after this break. Mega Food Premium Whole Food Supplements are the only supplements crafted from scratch with farm fresh whole foods to deliver nourishment the way nature intended. Mega Food believes Mother Nature knows best. They select only fresh whole food, harvested at the peak of ripeness, handle it gently and with care to deliver its vital essence to you in every bottle. Mega Food, from farm to tablet, our name is our promise. For more information, visit us online at megafood.com. Zymogen is pleased to announce the arrival of Fit Food, a delicious, high-quality, functional food that's formulated to support weight management, healthy body composition, glycemic management, cardiovascular and immune health, and more. Each delicious serving of Fit Food contains 21 grams of pure New Zealand-sourced bioactive whey protein, 6 grams of fiber-immune-supporting oat beta-glucan, and additional glutamine, glycine, taurine, and MC. Fit Food provides holistic support for today's active body. Learn more at Zymogen.com. Available now through your healthcare professional and Village Green Apothecary. All over the world, people are beginning to discover fish oil is one of the best secrets for unlocking great health. Thousands of studies have shown the amazing effects of these powerful omega-3s for heart health. Plus, fish oils have even been shown to balance moods and lessen anxiety. With exceptional taste, unrivaled freshness, and unsurpassed purity, Nordic Natural is the easy way to get your omega-3s every day. To learn more, visit Village Green Apothecary or visit NordicNaturals.com. Nordic Naturals, committed to the planet, committed to pure and great-tasting omega oils. The brain requires nutrition just like the rest of the body. And this is where Gero Formula's Neuro Optimizer comes to the rescue. Neuro Optimizer is a concentrated source of nutrients needed for memory, mood, concentration, and focus. Neuro Optimizer supplies the building blocks for neurotransmitters, the chemicals that allow cells in the brain to communicate and to file away memories. Neuro Optimizer is the nutritional answer to the brain's needs. To learn more about formulas, visit Gero.com. Gero Formulas, available at Village Green Apothecary. 
Did you know at Village Green Apothecary, we offer everyday savings on top quality nutritional supplements, including herbs and homeopathic remedies, plus personal care products and more. That's right. In addition to our big sales events, you can save up to 20% on most everything you need for a healthier lifestyle. Today and every day at Village Green, we care about our customers. We've been providing the best nutrition and healthy living products for over 50 years. Stop by Village Green Apothecary in Bethesda at 5415. West Cedar Lane, or visit our website at myvillagegreen.com. Welcome back, everybody, to the Essentials of Healthy Living here on AM 1500, brought to you by the Village Green Apothecary, located right here in Bethesda, Maryland. Most people listening are probably shoppers and familiar with the Village Green. They've been located here in Bethesda for over 40 years, serving the health and wellness needs of the community. They graciously sponsor this radio show, which airs every Sunday from 10 to 11 a.m., so make sure to set your dials. You can also stream it online at www.federalnewsradio.com. Uh, so if there's people out of state that you'd like to listen, you can certainly pass that link along as well. Today, we've been talking with Dr. Joseph Lamb. He's a clinical consultant in integrative and functional medicine. He is a medical doctor, and he has done uh, many years of work as private practice and director of clinical research at the Functional Medicine Research Center for Metagenics in Gig Harbor, Washington. Um, he's been in practice and doing work for over 20 years, and he's excited to be joining Dr. Mark Houston in private practice in Nashville, Tennessee, at the Hypertension Institute of Nashville. So, Dr. Lamb, thank you for taking time out of your incredibly busy schedule to talk to us this morning. Really appreciate it. Well, thank you. It's great to be on the radio show again. Sure. So I think we've done a pretty good job here in the first two segments discussing and helping people to understand that a new look at genetics is necessary in the future of medicine, and it's important for people to understand it so they can have a better concept of what their body is capable of as far as healing and changing its expression and manifesting health over manifesting disease. But let's talk about now some real-world practical examples of some genetic testing that's being done, how it's helping to guide therapies and what it can tell us about changing the outcomes of our potential health. Great. So, you know, one of the things that should be understood is that, you know, for certain of our genes, the degree of efficiency that we're talking about can be as much as 50 to 100 percent, you know, greater or lesser efficiency. And one of the areas that this plays a role is in our ability to um, metabolize medicines when we're given them. Certain medicines, you know, we take them in, and when once they've had their function, we need to turn them off. And other medicines, when we take them, they actually come in, and they need to be modified into the active form in order to have their effect within the body. And depending how well you modify it, some people may not convert very much of the pro-drug into the actual functioning drug because they're lacking the enzyme that does that. So it's standard of care now in um, um, allopathic medicine to look at a couple of examples. One example is the anticoagulant warfarin. Uh, um, the brand name is Coumadin, and um, it's an example of... Um, a drug with a very narrow therapeutic window, it helps spin our blood, but if you get too much of it, it predisposes us to having bleeding and bleeding complications, and um, and obviously we don't want those. We want enough to keep the blood thin, but not so much that we uh, have spontaneous bleeding complications. And when you start dosing someone, that's the, the tough period of time because the 
we have recognized clinically through all the years of um, that warfarin has been used that um, different people respond with um, a different rapidity. So a, a much smaller dose in certain people gets them to a therapeutic level quickly. Other people take much more. And they've now identified, for example, the specific um, liver enzymes that play a a role in what's called phase one detoxification that play a role in how fast you metabolize Coumadin. So when they're getting ready now to um, uh, start someone in Coumadin, you can actually um, find out if they're a slow or rapid metabolizer of Coumadin, and they adjust the dose specifically. You get like a different schedule for how fast you're going to dose someone based upon that. Similarly, another cardiovascular drug, another uh, blood thinner, one that inhibits platelets, that keeps platelets from sticking together, is called clopidogrel. And it's the common kind of brand name is Plavix. And it's an example of a drug that's a prodrug. So it needs to be converted into the active form within the body. And similarly, we're able to see if people have um, the right um, enzymes to convert it. And if you don't have the right enzyme to convert it, you're not going to get the same efficiency from taking the medication. So, you know, we're reaching this stage where, you know, the day is coming that not just for a couple drugs like the ones that we've been talking about, but the day is coming that your pharmacist will take into account your genetic information and take into account the diet you eat. You know, like, People have probably heard about grapefruit, for example, as being something that interacts with cholesterol-lowering medicines, and it does so because grapefruit changes um, the activity of one of those cytochromes that we were talking about, liver detoxification enzymes. So the day is coming that you know your pharmacist will ask you questions about what you eat. He'll look at your genetic information, and the dosing that you'll get for drugs will be very specific to um, your unique needs not what a medical textbook says the average dose is. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what are some other examples of genes that are commonly tested that we're, we're looking at these days, and especially ones that we may be able to modify the expression of those genes and the potential associated risks through things right. like uh, lifestyle and diet or supplementation? Yeah, there's some good examples when you look at some of the chronic diseases of aging. Like one of those, for example, is the ApoE gene. It uh, codes for um, a protein, what's called a lipoprotein, that plays a role in carrying the blood fats throughout our system, and it plays a role in how, where fats get deposited in the body and, um, and how effectively we do that. And if we have a version called APO2, we have a decreased risk for heart disease, and if we have a version called APO4, um, we have an increased risk not only for heart disease, but also... Um, for premature dementia, Alzheimer's dementia. And, you know, it's been known for some time that this gene plays a role. And actually, you know, if you go back to the 90s and the early 2000s, there was a lot of controversy about this because um, the belief was that if you measured this gene and you um, found out that someone was at an increased risk of Alzheimer's, that you would be doing them a disservice because, um you know, Alzheimer's was a disease you really get from that genetic determinism point of view. But we now know that how you live your life, you know, in many cases, people are recognizing, for example, that diabetes plays a role, altered 
insulin and sugar metabolism in our brains play a role in whether or not we're going to develop that. And there's another great example of a gene um, beyond the APOE4 gene, which can be modified with lifestyle and diet and making the right choices. There's a, a wonderful study looking at a gene that increases our risk for heart disease, and it's genes that are located on um, the ninth chromosome in a certain region called 9P21. So that's a specific region on the on, um the DNA, and if you have um, a polymorphism, if you have the altered version of that gene, the less desirable version of that gene, you're at an increased risk for developing heart disease. Interestingly enough, we know the region, but we don't really know what that gene does at the moment. But studies have been done looking at the Mediterranean-style diet, Um, you know, a a diet high in phytonutrients, um, like, you know, plant foods, a diet high in... um, monounsaturated fats from olive oil, a diet with quality proteins, lots of seafood, nuts, for example, and also a diet that has some red wine in it. That diet has been specifically looked at in people who carry the 9P21 polymorphism. And if you carry that, you're at an increased risk. It may be even like a two-fold increased risk for developing heart disease. But people who had a high adherence to um, those who lived a life where they ate a Mediterranean-style diet had no increased risk, despite having the genes, if they had a high adherence to the diet. And that's really an interesting um, point. And there are several other studies that reinforce that a Mediterranean-style diet modifies the um, expression of those genes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great example of how the influence of food and lifestyle and environment can reduce risk even despite what your genetics show. And I mean, there are other examples. Um, Some of the small sticky types of cholesterol that increase risk of heart disease aren't necessarily genes that we test for, but are genetically related. For example, uh, lipoprotein A, which is a small sticky type of cholesterol, we know oftentimes is related to genetics and can increase risk of developing, um, you know, plaques and plaque formation because it tends to be a very sticky type of cholesterol. And although in many patients, you can't necessarily do all that much to lower the lipoprotein A, it's not always that everybody who has high LPA levels is going to develop plaques. It has to do with the rest of the environment in which it exists. Is there excessive inflammation? Are there elevated homocysteine levels? Is there high blood pressure? Is there, uh, you know, elevated blood sugars, which damage the vessel walls? All of these different factors set the stage for that genetic predisposition to cause a problem, but we know by monitoring and and the way that we can look at uh, plaques by doing even real-time angio-CTs, looking at uh, plaque formation in the carotid arteries, measuring other markers of cardiovascular disease and inflammation, if you modify all the other parameters, you may not see huge changes in the lipoprotein A, but you're going to see reductions in all of the markers that identify cardiovascular risk. And you can actually see reversal of plaque formation by lowering lipids and lowering blood pressure and lowering inflammation and lowering homocysteine. So it's an example of a genetic predisposition that could play out poorly, however, with the right circumstances in the body based on environment, that potential uh, negative impact on your health doesn't play itself out. And there are many, many examples that we can look at in how we can 
not only modify our genetic expression, but also modify the risks that seem to be associated with our genetic expression by supporting all of the other aspects of our health and of our body. And I think that's really the take-home message of this entire show is that it's it's important to start looking at a different looking through a different lens when understanding genetics looking at your family history looking at the people around you it's certainly something to pay attention to but it is not necessarily something that's going to be set in stone. And we see this play out clinically day in and day out. And the more we learn about genetics and the more we learn about testing them and we more learn about patient outcomes, the more we discover that lifestyle can play a big role and these other factors can play a big role in how our genetic code plays out in relation to health, wellness, or disease. So when we come back, Dr. Lamb, let's wrap up in our last segment some of these final topics about genetics and genetic testing. We can talk about some other genetic tests that are available, what they tell us, and some things we can do to modify the potential risk associated with whatever those genetics are telling us. So again, knowledge is you know half the, half the battle in understanding how to help your own health. So this is Dr. Kevin Passero with The Essentials of Healthy Living here on AM1500, and we're going to be back right after this break, so don't go anywhere. Solgar number no. 7 can help you feel the difference. Solgar number no. 7 actually shows improvement in joint comfort within 7 days. Now you can start to get back on track fast and pursue the activities you love. Solgar number no. 7 is a breakthrough in joint care with no glucosamine and no chondroitin. The advanced bioactives in Solgar number no. 7 help to increase flexibility, mobility, and range of motion within 7 days. One capsule once a day is all you need. When stiff joints occasionally say no, Solgar number no. 7 says yes. Solgar number no. 7 Available at Village Green Apothecary. New from Garden of Life, Kind Organics Multivitamins. That's right, certified organic. Made with the highest quality standards. Uncooked, untreated, unadulterated. Non-GMO certified, vegan, and gluten-free. Kind Organics Multivitamins from Garden of Life. Be kind to your body and the earth. Kind Organics. Now available at Village Green Apothecary and online at myvillagegreen.com. Ah, the joy of commuting in Washington. Whether you work on the hill or outside the beltway, you know how stressful it is to get around. Stress can take a serious toll on your health, and Village Green Apothecary can help. We offer over 10,000 healthy living products, including top-quality nutritional supplements, herbal remedies, and more. Our nutritionists and pharmacists offer a personalized approach to help you with your health needs. Stop by Village Green Apothecary in Bethesda at 5415 West Cedar Lane, or visit our website at myvillagegreen.com. Some things are hard to stomach, and life doesn't stop for occasional immune challenges or intestinal distress. ProBilardi from Metagenics offers a new targeted probiotic approach for intestinal support. Help maintain control while traveling or as a follow-up to antibiotic therapy to support intestinal flora for healthy intestinal function. ProBilardi provides ID-certified probiotic strains suggested by research to enhance certain aspects of immune function in addition to promoting a healthy balance of intestinal microflora. ProBilardi is the go-to probiotic for patients on the go. Get it today. Available through your healthcare professional and Village Green Apothecary. Have you ever wondered why the cold and flu season occurs in the fall and winter months? One theory is because of a decrease in sun exposure, our bodies don't make enough vitamin D, which is essential to proper immune function. That's why medical experts recommend supplementing with vitamin D. Thorn Research's vitamin D products are made from pure vitamin D with no preservatives or unnecessary ingredients added. Support your immune system with Thorne's Vitamin D1000 and D5000. These and other immune-supporting formulas are always available at Village Green. 
Welcome back, everybody, to the Essentials of Healthy Living here on AM 1500, brought to you by The Village Green. I am your host for today, Dr. Kevin Passero, and we've been speaking with Dr. Joseph Lamb about the topic of genetic testing and looking at genetics in a different light when it comes to understanding our health and wellness. Don't forget, everybody, that Dr. Richard Morer, naturopathic doctor, will be doing a book signing and question A event at The Village Green on Saturday, November 8th from 3 to 5 p.m. about his new book, Crack Your Metabolic Code, with a few simple blood tests. So don't forget to show up for that. So Dr. Lamb, um, we've sort of covered a lot of ground. There's a few other pretty popular genetic tests that are around these days that help us understand some aspects of risk factors. Probably, you know, the most popular one in the integrative world is this methyl tetrahydrofolate reductase, MTHFR gene variation. Can you help us understand in the short amount of time we have left a little bit about that genetic test, what it means, and what are some things we can do to modify the risks associated with it? Absolutely. So one of the very basic processes that takes place in the body is um, we add um, uh, one carbon groups, you know, one carbon molecule and a couple hydrogens onto um, a whole group of substances in order to modify their activity, you know, kind of in our the, the biosynthesis that takes place in the factories that build things within our bodies. So we get those one carbon groups that are called methyl groups from a cycle called the methylation cycle. And homocysteine, which we measure as a risk factor for uh, heart disease, Alzheimer's, dementia, um, homocysteine builds up if that cycle is not turning very effectively. And for some time, we know that folate, which plays a role in that cycle, when we take um, the naturally occurring folate, uh, folic acid from the environment, we get it from our uh, fruits, vegetables, for example. When we take that, we know that um, we can modify the homocysteine. So if homocysteine levels are high, we say, well, let's give more of the folic acid. Well, as you explore the biochemistry of that cycle, you see that a lot of people, maybe as many as one in three women, for example, carry um, a, a polymorphism of a specific gene that um, that plays a role for coding one of those enzymes. And that enzyme is called 5,10-methylene-tetrahydrofolate reductase. And it plays a role in actually taking one methyl group off so that you get the activated form. It's actually kind of funny. The body can't just stick one methyl group on to make SAMI. What it actually has to do in order to do this, um, it has to uh, stick on two methyl groups in two different places and then take one back off in order to get the activated form. And the activated form is the one you were referring to, which is called methyl tetrahydrofolate. Mm-hmm. And that's the activated folate that you can now buy in a lot of nutritional supplements. And if you have that decreased efficiency, and depending whether you're heterozygous, meaning you have one copy of the effective gene and one copy of the less effective gene, or whether you're homozygous, which could mean that you have two of the less effective genes, depending on what you've got, the efficiency can be as um, even three to fourfold reduced mm-hmm. compared um kind of the desirable state. So what that speaks to is if you have that genetic abnormality, and it also plays a role, for example, in probably the expression of the autistic spectrum disorders, if you have that, you need to take the activated form of folic acid, which is called the methyl tetrahydrofolate, as opposed to just 
taking plain folic acid, or you won't be able to impact your homocysteine level as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's important. It's an easy test to get. Most insurance is covered. It's done through most national labs. And if you find out that you have these variations, it's important to work with somebody that's used to working with that and understands the aspects of methylation. Now, the most practical approach or the most the most concrete thing that we understand about is that sar- certain people with enough genetic variations on the specific genes may have elevated homocysteine levels, which can be an independent risk factor for the development of cardiovascular disease. And we know that you have to use the right amount of or the right type of folic acid in order to address that. There are other potential concerns that come downstream from the methyl tetrahydrate folate reductase gene variation because it's also involved in liver detoxification and the processing and production of neurotransmitters in the brain. So it can sometimes apply to mood disorders, and it can also sometimes apply to people that have difficulty with detoxification. So understanding which genes uh, that we can test, what each gene really means as far as how it may play out with health, what it means if you have one mutation, two mutations, or more than that on your genes, and then how to create a supplement program that basically looks at that genetic predisposition that you may have to support that part of your body that may not quite work as well as a result of that genetic variation. So it's not necessarily something that will never be able to change that genetic expression, or at least not at this point in medicine, but there are things we can do to improve the deficits that occur as a result of having that genetic variation, and we can do that easily with diet, nutrition, and supplements. So Dr. Lam, I know you also in the last couple of minutes wanted to touch on some of the um, work on oncology um, that is related to genetic testing. Oh, absolutely. And just, you know, a brief comment in this regard. For years and years, when we talk about cancers, we've talked about where that cancer is located, where it started from. So, you know, we talk about people who have lung cancer. We talk about people who have pancreatic cancer or, you know, ovarian, breast, colon, whatever it may be, prostate. And one of the things that becomes very clear is that um, even when you're talking about a location like the lung, there's four different kinds of cancers in the lung. They have different properties and different outcomes. But again, we've really always looked at cancer on the basis of how it looks under the microscope, kind of its physical structure. And now we're recognizing that in that DNA that we used to call junk, there are promoters and suppressors that turn on or turn off certain genes. And if mutations occur in those genes, you you lose some of the control over normal cells that would allow them to develop or mutate into a cancerous cell, you know, a genetic mutation um, as a consequence of a life exposure. And so now what we're recognizing is that um, cancers that come from different locations may share the same sort of genetic mutation in terms of what let it out of the box. And practitioners now are looking at cancer cells and looking at their specific genetics in terms of seeing what the mutation is in the future. Well, it's current in some circumstances and being done on a limited basis, but the future is going to be that you're not going to be so concerned about um, where your cancer came from in your body. You're going to be concerned about which specific um, um, genetic um, subtype you have and the um, treatments really be targeted specifically to restoring balance sure. to those well, genetics. It makes perfect sense instead of just looking at it as breast or colon. 
um, or liver, it's really understanding, regardless of where the cancer comes from, what genetic predispositions it has. And if you target those, the effects of chemotherapy or cancer treatments become way more effective and outcomes are much better. And that's already what we're seeing in the few instances where it can be implemented. So Dr. Lamb, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. We wish you the best of luck at the Hypertension Institute of Nashville. We'll look forward to doing, having you on the show to talk about hypertension once you're settled into your new position. Wonderful. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Dr. Lamb. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This is Dr. Kevin Passero with the Essentials of Healthy Living. Next week, Dana Lake will be back, so don't forget to tune in. So this is Dr. Kevin Passero wishing you all the best of health. Until next time, take care. Did you know at Village Green Apothecary, we offer everyday savings on top-quality nutritional supplements, including herbs and homeopathic remedies, plus personal care products and more. That's right. In addition to our big sales events, you can save up to 20% on most everything you need for a healthier lifestyle. Today and every day, at Village Green, we care about our customers. We've been providing the best nutrition and healthy living products for over 50 years. Stop by Village Green Apothecary in Bethesda at 5415. West Cedar Lane or visit our website at myvillagegreen.com.